Think about muscle-mind connection. Focusing on each and every exercise. Actually think about what your body's doing versus just rushing through it. Right. Think about what a squat actually does. Think about what push-ups does, what muscles you're actually activating. I think this applies with everything with life. Take the first step, right? Right. You'll be surprised that you did it. You'll have areas to build upon. But each and every day we have our own demons that we need to battle against and there's things that we have to overcome. It's that hurdle, that invisible wall in front of you. Take the courage to walk in front of it one time. My name is Norbin John, your host. I believe that we live among superheroes. Many a times we walk past them not knowing because of our busy schedules. This podcast is my journey to find such individuals, bring them on board and have meaningful conversation to unravel the biohacks and lifestyle hacks that they have used to optimize well-being and realize their fullest potential. In many of these hacks will lie the solution for us to look better, perform better, and live longer. Welcome to the Superhuman Podcast. My guest today is Johnny Tu, an ex-banker from New York, an athlete today who pushes his mind, body, and soul beyond limits that I could only dream of. With over 50 plus podium wins at outdoor and indoor events, Johnny Tu is a superhero in his own realm. And today, being sponsored by massive brands such as Nike and the Spartan Race, this guy holds hacks that we can learn to optimize our well-being. Johnny, welcome on board. Thank you so much. I really appreciate to be the inaugural guest for this podcast. And thank you so much for the kind words. Really, really something that sometimes I have to reflect on and really respond to. It is our pleasure to host you today. Now, I just know that you just had a massive High Rocks weekend in Hong Kong. How are you doing today? Surprisingly better than I expected. I thought I was going to be quite sore. I uh, had back-to-back days, so Saturday and Sunday race. Something I used to do a lot, but nowadays I think it's uh, starting to hit a little bit harder. But I'm actually surprised the body's recovering as well as it did. So walking fine, shuffling along, fueling up, and I think everything else is good on it from here on out. Well, that d- truly defines a superhero there. Okay, now, just going to go back in time. This is the beauty of this. How did you get into fitness? How did you get to this level of performance? Man, that's just something I need to reflect on too. I think, I don't know how it all started. I guess just growing up as kids back then, we didn't have much access to electronics. It wasn't like iPads and, and PlayStation on, on our faces. It was just go outside to your backyard and just create a game, play around, run around. So I think growing up in New York City, only all I had access to was the backyard. So go out there, have fun with neighborhood kids, run around and stuff like that. And I guess from a young age, I knew I was good at running, but I never honed in on it. As all of us that grew up playing sports, most of us hate running because it tends to be the penalty of any yeah. sport you do. And I think one thing at a time, I just started running around a lot, but never really thought too much about it. So I think it's just a culmination of playing around with a lot of sports, having fun with random things around the neighborhood, growing up with unique opportunities to play with tennis, bowling, handball in New York City, kind of just different sort of city sports that kind of added to it. And it wasn't until somehow down the line of middle of college, a friend of mine was like, hey, let's go do a neighborhood 5K. And at that point, I had no clue what that meant. It's like, go wow. ahead, I'm just going to go run. Ran it, hated it, <laughs> thought I was going to pass out, and somehow did pretty all right. Came out knowing somehow I had age group podium. So I was like, that's weird, didn't expect that kind of lit a fire, a little fire, lit a fire in a way where I was like, well, maybe I've actually trained. I might have done better. Maybe I could have run a little faster. 
So I think that's kind of where it started, where why not see where the body can go and what the mind can do? Because I've been doing that with school and academics, but I have never done that in the so honed in on it when the athletic side of things. So let's give that a shot. So I think one thing after the next, friends signing a race together with the family, with good buddies of mine, and then more and more unique opportunities came about. I think starting from like 2011, 2012, Spartan race, obstacle course racing, something that's unique, different. All the mud runs started happening. And to me, that's kind of fun. I was like, oh, seems like something you can do to survive zombie apocalypse. And I think this is the funny thing with me. <laughs> I love zombie movies. Biggest, biggest zombie fan. I think I watch all sorts of zombie movies. We all know how it ends. We all know what's going to happen. But just the fun of it is just unique to me. And all these kind of competition races, ideally, is how I would train. How would I survive the zombie apocalypse? What would I need to do? So these obstacle course racing and mud runs were kind of like that. Like, can you run, pick something up, roll around the dirt, climb over a raft, climb over these things, jump over fire? So those were, like, interesting competitions that came in my way and that kind of elevated my fitness abilities and my athletic career. And I think that just continued just motivating me to go from one thing to the next. And I think from there on out, it was just, what else can I do? And I think that's kind of really where the start came from. That's an amazing story, mate. Now, with a little bit of reading that I've done about you, I know there was a big career switch that you made. Yeah. Tell me a bit more about that, because that for me is very exciting. It makes this whole story even better. Yeah, so currently right now, I'm in the fitness profession. I'm a fitness consultant, and I do coaching work. Previously, I was in finance. Finance wow. for five years, worked for Bank of America, came out of college in NYU, th- thought I was wanted to go in that field. And I didn't. I mean, I enjoyed it for the time being. It was exactly what I thought I wanted to be growing up in New York and having family, friends happy for me that in that career path, the money was good. But I think something was missing. Um, I can say this now, reflecting back on it, but during that time of mm. that phase, it was really tough. It just didn't feel like anything I was doing was impactful. Some of my friends were in marketing. They're creating products you see on shelves. Other people are creating products that they enjoy. Some of them were modeling things. And there's something more tangible. What I was doing was financial statements or reviewing uh, analytics and stuff like that for companies. And, and they're great, multi-million dollar deals, billion dollar deals. But none of that would actually see my pocket. And another thing that you cannot be replaced in a sense. So I think I was more into the authenticity of the, what I was trying to offer to the world in general? Am I making an impact in the world or am I just being another cog in the system? And not that it's a bad thing. I think for me, it just kind of slowly took its turn because, you know, being an Asian family, growing up in an Asian family, it's just parents, my parents were really supportive in whatever I did and they never, they never told me to go down any which path, finance, the medical, and then just anything. It's like, do what makes you happy. And I thought that's what made me happy going into the finance field. And it was for the time being, I'm glad I went down that pathway. And it wasn't until somehow I just went more and more into the athletic side that I started to excel, but also enjoyed it. So even though I was working in finance, I didn't go out to after parties and happy hours. I try to left the office as soon as I can to get my training done. Wow. Or I met up with other coaches to develop my athletic career. I had more fun hanging out with people with different backgrounds that are focusing on something outside of work than just getting wasted with the money they made and spending it on luxuries that sometimes what value did it actually add. So I think I kind of had that realization quite early. But it wasn't until five years down the line that I actually took the action to actually leave, because that's also scary on its own, to leave a comfy job, that money was great, and people are telling you, why? Why would you go anywhere else, considering that you have everything you kind of wanted? And I think for me, it wasn't until just an opportunity came about where a flight popped up for really cheap to the Philippines, and I was like, eh, maybe I'll take that, why not? I just didn't take the return flight back, and just spent a year out traveling Asia, 
and eventually just found myself ways through uh, different opportunities to build into the fitness career. And it actually landed me in Hong Kong the first time around. So that path was not direct. It wasn't expected and it wasn't an easy one. And it wasn't even something I thought about. I just went along with it because it was kind of like a why not. And right. at the time, I wasn't strapped down by anything. And even though the risk was very scary, very much so to recreate, redevelop yourself, it was something that now it's a defining factor. And it's something that I, I really learned a lot from. I appreciated that experience. That's amazing. And I'm just, I love the word impact. And I think a lot of us want that in our lives or want to leave an impact behind. And especially when you come from an Asian route, which I do too, and I understand. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons why I can say this confidently. It is difficult to leave your comfort grounds and then listen to a voice that tells you, maybe there is, you're meant to be doing something else. You're yeah. meant to make an impact. This is not what you're made for. You've been in those situations. And in words, you made it seem like it was easy. And I'm sure it wasn't. Definitely not easy yet. It's easier reflecting back on anything, but during the phase, during the process, it's never easy at all. This is the beauty of it because many of the people who I talk to, and also I'm sure many of the people who are going to listen to this also would know that there could be a voice that they're listening to, but lack that confidence or an action step or an action yeah. plan. What can we learn from you? How did you make that transition? What are some of the challenges that you faced? And how did you mitigate it? Yeah, I guess let's go to like, how did I make that transition? I think it was a time where I knew I was done with finance. I knew it wasn't where I wanted to be. I had offers at other places and other companies and in the fitness world. And those are things I kind of felt more engaged with. Mm -hmm. Something I felt, something felt like that was more aligned with where I wanted to do. And that, that's something that I was like, yeah, why not? Let's try to go down that path. But the pay was, the salary was really comfortable where I was at. I was happy with it. I was happy with my job. So that risk was constantly playing in my head. And I thought about it for, for like, I think two years of doing it. And then the, it, just, it just took something else, a, a catalyst of some sort to really be like, okay, you know what? Why not? And it really was that random plane ticket that came out of nowhere. It was like, here's a flight out. And I took the flight and I quit my job. Well, I quit, but they put me on a sabbatical instead just because they said they wanted me back for the position. I ended up taking that flight out and it was a year and through, and it was just, at that time it was just an open window. I knew I had security if I came back, but also knew I had freedom to do whatever I want. And that's what I really wanted at that time. So I went traveling all over Asia, backpacked around, ended up in Hong Kong, met up with friends and some friends we actually have in common. And they always knew me as the fitness person because that's what we shared at the time in, on right. social media. Like I was sharing my fitness world. I'm not going to share my Excel spreadsheet and PowerPoints. Like what else <laughs> am I going to do with that? So they always thought I was already in fitness. Somehow gave me the opportunity like, hey, look, we were building out a gym here. We would love to have you to help us build out this, this, this proposition. And I was like, why would I give up my life in New York to move to Hong Kong to do fitness? I don't know about that. That's something that I wasn't really thinking too much about. But it was an interesting opportunity and finally went back to, to New York and they kept on proposing that to me. And I thought back and I was like, you know what, honestly, why not? It, I think that became one of the, my models nowadays, like, just why not? It, it never hurts and you never know what the opportunity can come about. And that really opened up the world for me, like where yeah. the opportunity has gone. So, yeah, I think that's one of the main first steps. And given that, yes, I didn't have any ties, there was no family, there was no partner at the time that was tying me down, I had freedom on my own, I didn't have to pay for any of my student loans, so all that was already covered, I was taking care of, everything was good on my part for my future to move on. So I think those are some things that I know a lot of people that are now trying to get into 
finding that freedom that there are a lot of ties locking them down, and that is a lot harder. But also given the time that during but that still happened, doable, still doable, absolutely, absolutely. It's just all it takes is that step that you take. If you want it to happen, you can make it happen. I think that's where, what it is, right? And I loved how you gave it a thought and took just a day, uh, just a month, just a month off, mm-hmm. and with a very casual attitude. Okay, let me just go and give it a month, and took that bold step. Yeah. Sometimes it's just small steps that could just open up those doors, which helps you to find out if that voice is for real. Yeah. Or if there is something in it, but you still went out that one month and gave it you a hundred percent. Yeah, and then that you know month became a year, year became four years, and next thing you know, I'm living out in Asia doing what I do and happy with it along the way. That's Mind the you, there is still risk and stuff that we take on, but that's the different part of it. <laughs> well, there's there's risk in anything yeah, and everything. Yeah, absolutely, uh, hats off to that. Now, I'm just going to go back a bit, maybe a bit more onto the training side of things. Mm-hmm. Fifty plus podium wins. That takes a lot. What is your training philosophy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thinking back, 50 is it's a good amount. Even sometimes, like, I came back to Hong Kong to pick up a, a lot of my trophies that are still sitting here, and I realized, like, it's a lot. Like, why was I doing so much of this? Absolutely. But at the time doing it, I didn't really reflect on it. But what was my training philosophy? I think since, like we mentioned earlier, like, I started just playing around as sports. Sports to me was always play. It was never to look a certain way. It was never to build a certain muscle. It was always, always play and always running around and always surviving zombie apocalypse. <laughs> so I think that's where kind of where it came. My philosophy is train for performance. Train what, do what makes you happy. Train for performance. Start one small goal at a time and don't focus on the nuances of society tells you or social media tells you, especially nowadays, right? With aesthetics, when you see thirst traps out there, you see these guys with certain abs or ladies with the certain figures. Those are great, but we also know how filters work. We also know how certain photos are done. At the end of the day, those things will not make you happy. What will make you happy and what push you further, I believe personally, would be performance. What's your definition of performance? It can be anything, right? It can be if you're going out for your first 5K run, either just completing that 5K alone is a, is a first step to your performance. The next progression is, can I do that faster? Or can I do that with more fun? Or can I do that with more ease? Can I see the progression over a month, a week? It's never, uh, sorry, a week, a month. It's never just now. It's not going to happen immediately, and that you have to be patient with the entire process. I think that's where performance comes in, and that's where you're going to find a lot more satisfaction than saying, hey, I want a six-pack, and next thing you know, you can't sustain it because eating a certain way or just having that aesthetic mindset is not sustainable for long term. Absolutely, and I've been down that rabbit hole, and it really cost me a lot too, not just financially, but also Mm -hmm. mentally, and also with respect to some medical conditions, which I'll talk about later. But it is a rabbit hole that everybody goes down, where aesthetics become prime, and they forget it is a byproduct. And it's not a bad thing, It's, it's it's a good motivating factor for a lot of people, especially, you know, opposite sex, trying to attract mates and stuff like that, that's, that's great and all. But does it make you happy? I think that's the question I constantly always ask my clients, my friends, people around me, like, is the training you're doing making you happy or you're just waking up at five or six in the morning just to get it done so you can look this way, thinking that you can track some, attract yeah. someone and live a life that you assume that you wanted. Right. Rather than focus the time on, like, your own performance, speed, yeah. athletic abilities. And then everything else that you want will come along the way. Absolutely yeah. correct. I mean, you train. And that's the thing, right? And another beautiful thing that you mentioned is about the long-term happiness factor. Yeah. Getting a click off a picture or what we call a selfie with your abs flashing, yeah, it's going to get you the likes, but those likes are going to diminish. There's somebody else who's going to come down that road and take that 
go through the same thing. Yeah. You could choose to feel bad, but if you're going to challenge yourself every other week or every other day, provided that you recover, to beat your own best, that is an unparalleled level of happiness, which even for me, I've just learned to accept that against from the times, you know, six years back, you know, competing at professional levels and where I thought that was it. But the same question I asked myself, am I happy? Am I for real? And the answer to that was absolutely no. Then, yeah, it was my journey about just finding out that sometimes these things are just the lowest denominator when it comes to true well-being and happiness. They are. It's a tricky process. Same with, like, you know, taking the risk to train, transition and just finding where your next level. But, yeah, I guess you're going to the question of what drove me to the 50-plus the podiums. It's exactly that. It was just progression. I didn't set out to win. Winning is great. Maybe when I was younger, I would, you know, we all grow like we have to win or we have to get the A plus or we have to be the top of the class. And that's kind of burnt into us. But in my athletic career, it was never about winning because growing up in U.S., being Asian, you tend not to be the fastest or the strongest. You tend to be somewhere along the lines in the middle. And I think somehow I kind of just saw myself climbing and I didn't see anybody else as a similar demographic as I was. And it was interesting to see that moving to Asia the same thing, like I see now there's a lot of, there's Asians everywhere, that's because we're living in Asia, but again, the podium's still the same people, it's still Westerners, still Europeans, still Americans, still Australians, and I'm like, why is that? Why is that factor not, why have we not climbed the ranks in any way, or why have we not pushed harder? So that became a little bit of a motivating factor for me, it's like, I know what I'm capable of, I know that I have every single ability to beat everybody else along the lines with me, so why not go for that? But it wasn't about the win, it was about the progression or the learning aspect to get there. And I think that's what it was for me. It was just each and every race, I've learned something different. I applied it. I trained harder. And let's see where it went. And then the next race, if I even if I got 10th place, the question I reflect to myself was, it was just the best I could have done today. Mm-hmm. If that was yes, I'm more than happy. I can't be upset for not winning. I could right. be, I can, or not be on the podium. I can only be happy thinking today was the best I could did. I did better than I did last week. And let's move on from there. And so each and every race, I got better and better, and it got to a point where I started being on the podium regularly. And even on the podium, it wasn't about winning that made me happy. It was, but did I compete against the best that day or the, the best of the, of the region I was in? Because right. if it wasn't, I can walk away with a win. But honestly, the next person next behind you was like 10 minutes behind. Then do you really feel sad it's gratified? Because I didn't get anything out of it. I didn't get better. I wasn't pushed. And I didn't challenge myself in any way. I just walked home with a trophy. But that's like a participation medal in a sense. I'd rather right. not have that thing. I think that's what the mindset I had to tackle each of the races to get me to where I am today with having those different podiums. It was never about the wins, but the wins came as a benefit. Same with the training, right? It's never about the aesthetics, but the performance training became the benefit with the aesthetics. What is the emotion that goes through a Johnny that didn't win podium? Uh, well, first part, it's the ego kicks. It's like, oh, well, I didn't win. Right. Okay. This weekend, I didn't win yeah. this weekend, but I was completely happy with what happened this weekend. But the second part, again, is reminders like, did I really do the best that I can? And am I being honest with myself? Because it's very tricky between being honest or giving yourself excuses. Hmm. And um, it's, a, it's a fine line between the two. And I'm always tiptoeing that. It's like, look, because a lot of us can give us, oh, today I had a bad stomach ache. Yesterday I didn't sleep well. I didn't train well. That's why I didn't do it. No, no, no. These are the things you had to do, and it didn't work out that way. But today, did I push the best that I can, given the circumstances? And the answer is yes. Yeah, that's all I could have done. And that's what it was over the weekend. I was like, ran two races, the second race, top of the moon, happier than what I could have done because based on what I already did, I'm already exhausted. And I pushed my body more than I could have had. 
and it held on, and that's all I could ask for. Was that four races this weekend? That was two races this weekend. I did okay. the doubles on Saturday and then the single men's pro on Sunday, and the like. The body was feeling it leading up to that race. Hats off, buddy. And that's amazing, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why you know, you're here, because that truly is inspiring. And now, just moving on from the training aspect of things to your diet. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest about it, all right? Let's just, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. just have a conversation. Absolutely, yeah. What is a diet in the life of Johnny around training days or regular or cheat meal? Yeah, what actually, is it like? I actually hate that term already, diet. There I don't go. even use it. I don't use it along myself. I don't use it any of my clients. I don't use it any of my friends because I don't believe in that term diet. I believe in what you eat, right? My eating habits is, I honestly have to say I eat everything. I'll, I'll, I will indulge in things I enjoy, but within moderation. I think my philosophy is moderation is the key for me. Um, I love healthy greens. I love my mixed vegetable bowls of all different colors. I love my grains. I love my veggies. I love my protein. I'll eat everything. But if you throw a steak in front of me, I'll eat that. You throw lamb. You throw unique types of organ meat that you're going to try to surprise me with. I'm eating that too. You have cookies, donuts, cakes. Definitely going to go with that. I'm probably going to go down the block right now and go get an egg tart afterwards. Like these things I don't mind. If it's going to be a night of enjoying wine and any sort of spirits, that's okay too. But it comes down to moderation. And if I am training really hard for a specific competition coming up, leading up to it, yes, certain things that has to be cut off, like alcohol does massively affect you. And those things would definitely go out the door. I do not do cheat days. I will, if something I want to eat, I will eat it. And then that's it. There is no craving for it right after. So I think that's where the focus in. But through my background of training and enjoying the healthy lifestyle of eating like mixed greens and healthy grains and healthy protein, I think that has been very natural to me. So mm-hmm. wherever I go, even coming back to Hong Kong, visiting here, I will always go eat my chicken rice or, 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 or pork rice, the things I can't get, dim sum, I'll have all that. But then I'll also go for a salad restaurant, like anything that's very different, the healthy greens and potential nutritious, because those are the things going to help me perform. Right. So I think it's more of the holistic view is what are you putting into your body and are you happy eating? Going back to happy, right? Are you happy with eating what you're eating? Because if you're eating chicken and broccoli every single day to be lean and clean and, and thinking what you think you need for your body to cut, and yet then you go home, you're thinking about cake all day long, you end up going down the rabbit hole, wanting cake and craving, and then when your cheat date does come around, you end up overdoing it. Yeah, this is amazing because, I mean, this is going back to, you know, my professional bodybuilding days again. Yeah. Like, it was the same. It was literally what you said. There was so many sacrifices or the mental state that you put yourself in just eating rice, chicken breast, and the unlimited cravings that go on, the happiness factor is just not there. And all this after a competition to go out there and then just binge. (laughs) What's the first thing that people after a bodybuilding competition go out for? McDonald's, KFC, (laughs) get stuff. And then after a week, you don't even look like a guy who stepped on stage. You beautifully said it. Even if you're living a performance lifestyle, it's about a performance, a lifestyle that is sustainable, number one, and how you can actually incorporate everything so that you stay happy, which I think is one of the fundamentals to performance. You could be standing on happy grounds and perform much better as an athlete and get away with eating that egg tart as soon as you finish this podcast. (laughs) Have a smile on your face, which I never could. To be honest, I couldn't. I, I really, I mean, every time I did that, even now, Every time I eat a dessert at night or in the evening, I feel so guilty, you know, but I'm getting better. It is a change. And this is something that I always advise people also is the fundamental, be it performance, be it training, be it acing at a job, is stay happy. Yeah. 
adopt, you know, individuals, food, diet style, lifestyle, bring it all in and then straight to true to kind of, you know, a few things. Like for example, you love your greens. Yeah. You look like a person who would love a big salad bowl. Yeah. And it's surprising. They would think I would like a more protein bowl more. No, I would rather a massive bowl of veggies with salmon on top and some eggs on the side versus a giant steak. That's what I do enjoy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. Supplements, what do you take on that? Supplements, I, I do believe in the supplements usage, but depending on what we're talking about, because of course, in the competition world, we're tested for many specific things. So we have to be clean, and I would never put anything in my body that would not be healthy for anybody. Mainly takes all organic stuff, so things I, I go by is, you know, multivitamin. Yes, some people say it's expensive piss, but there are going to be things that we will not consume on a day-to-day basis, especially if you're eating the same stuff every single day you're going to be lacking certain types of nutrition. And of course, we don't live back in the day where we harvest our food on seasonal timing. We have all access of everything all the time. So we're going to be lacking on certain nutrition. So I do believe in multivitamin just to, you know, bulletproof certain areas that you might not be working on. Right. So that, whether it's expensive piss or not, that's something that people can debate about. I would rather spend extra dollar or two on a vitamin on that versus going for coffee or going for drinks at the end of the night, right? It's a couple of dollars that you spend in which, any which way you want. Other things I believe in, curcumin, turmeric, just for anti-inflammatory purposes. Right. Magnesium, highly recommend it. Most people don't get actually enough magnesium into their, their, their diets. That's pretty much everybody. It's hard to consume enough just because the absorption rate is kind of low, and that's one thing that helps calm the nervous system, help grow for performance, sleep. That helps a recovery lot with to recovery and sleep. Yeah, so definitely use it at night on, on that aspect. What else do I use? Uh, let me think. Ashwagandha. I'd like diving into a little bit of nootropics, something that are for uh, anti-inflammatory, but also adaptogen style. So these are, I think some people might not be used to these things, but they do help and they are very particular. Maca, moringa, fish oil. uh, Those are the main things I focus on the regular day-to-day basis. So definitely all organic ingredients, either vegan or something that works well. And then there's the unique ones that people tend to dabble around now. There's, what is it? There's a reversatrol. Some of the anti-aging yes. stuff, right? Yes. NMN, NMN, there's Tonka Ali, all these new stuff that's currently in the Absolutely. market. But they're not new for us in Asian culture. There's the stuff that we're already currently using <laughs> that's being marketed. So there's that, cordyceps, all the different mushrooms. So I think supplement-wise, be very specific. Start with the basics. The basics are just multivitamin, fish oil, turmeric, and magnesium, I would say, for most people, or some sort of multi-green vitamin. And the rest is just tackle on top things that you might think would help. So I think that's currently my supplement stack. I don't, I'd rather you eat your food. If you can eat your food, that's the go-to. But if you can't eat enough, then that's where the rest comes in to help you aid into it. But it's not a single pill that saves you. That will not happen. Staying very true to the definition of supplement, which is a supplement to your regular food, right? If you feel that you're falling short, which normally we do because the crops that we are harvesting today are Definitely not as nutritious as no, what it used know, to yeah. be. The soil is another topic that we'll cover later. But uh, yeah, uh, that's amazing. And now we talked about the supplements. What about your recovery? I mean, every time you push your body, the supplements help. The food helps. Yes. And it looks like you live a balanced, happy life at this moment. I of course, so. there are challenges, <laughs> right? And I think you've got the right mindset, which we talk about a little later. What's a recovery protocol for athletes who wish to follow your path, if I can say? I think the mistake that most people make is that they put recovery as a secondary focus. Recovery should be actually one of the primary focuses. Anything you're doing, you should always be already be thinking, what is my recovery for what I'm about to put my body through? Yeah. So I think that's the mindset I have going into it. 
recovery is so important because especially as we age more and more, any stress you put your body under, it has to go through a growing process, a recovery process to make sure you build stronger and faster. And for me, the cheapest things are the best things for recovery. And the, Absolutely. It's the things that people try to lie to themselves or talk them out of and spend more money than they have to sleep. That is the cheapest, the most essential. If you think about losing weight, you think about going fast, you think about any sort of recovery health process you want to go through. Let's work on sleep first. Don't go spending money on supplements or doctors or, or top end stuff if you're not sleeping enough. Because if that's not happening, then yes, that is your end all be all for the first step. So sleep is the main recovery. Try to get as much sleep as you can. I know it's tough in our lives nowadays with gadgets and phones and work hours and trying to fit in your fitness schedule, your life schedule, relationships, work commitments, family. And it's all tough. It is very tough. But try to set your time and have sleep hygiene, right? So what that I means, like, it. you know, properly make your bed a place of where you actually sleep. Of course, have your fun along with it, but don't be a place where you sit there and watch movies for hours. Don't eat food there because then naturally when you get in your bed, you want to fall asleep. This is all golden, yeah, mate. Yeah, along with that is like cold rooms for your recovery, right? Small things like that. That's the free stuff. Just set up your bedroom as a place for optimum recovery. You can go really, really tech-induced in with like biohacking stuff, which I, I do nerd out on. And just quick breathing, you can do stuff like, you know, a cooled bed, infrared lighting. You can do uh, sleep tracking monitors to tackle your HRV. You can have a certain alarm that wakes you up on a certain time scale that knows your body and the lighter sleeping versus deeper sleep. Right. So that's like really, really diving into it. But the basic is just try to get more sleep and that'll help with more aspects. That's the first part of recovery. Next is fueling. Are you fueling enough? post-exercise and that doesn't mean go grab your protein shake immediately there's other things you might need if you need to shed weight ideally you might not need to grab that protein shake immediately you might need carbs instead then you have hydration most people are actually underhydrated they're missing electrolyte into their diets especially a lot of people that are eating clean they try to keep sodium out of their diet and that's actually a thing that is a big no-no because you're going to need that for your body recovery then you move into other things additions right such as prehab and rehab you can do foam rolling massages right. Contrast bath therapy, hot tub, cold tub. You can do saunas. You can do infrared lighting. There's so many areas that you can go through. And there's more and more tech science and more and more noise nowadays for recovery. But in the day, start the things that are simple and free first. And then start adding things into it versus diving full and deep and spend as much money as you can buying the most expensive products. But for me, after training, stretching. And if I have access to the sauna and cold tub, I'll do contrast bath. Not right. one or the other because yeah. the mistake of... of uh, Ice bath and cold bath, it's, it's, it's catchy. It's something that people see a lot, but a lot of people are doing it wrong right. or incorrectly well, or for the wrong purposes. Can you elaborate on that a bit? I guess quickly, it would be, be like people that tend to think that they have to go to ice bath immediately after a hard session. But in reality, what you're actually doing is stunting the impact of the workout you actually just did. Right. Because you're actually slowing down the growth hormones mm -hmm. and you're actually reducing inflammation. Inflammation sounds bad, but you actually need inflammation in the body for it to grow. Lovely. So ideally, yeah. if you finish a hard session, you want to wait maybe like eight hours. You want the body hours. to naturally, yeah, naturally recover. Go through it. What media shows you is that, you know, especially in CrossFit, some of the competitions, they'll jump in the ice bath immediately after a hard session. There is a place for that, and that does work because there's minimal, time, minimal downtime for them to recover. So in that case, you feeling better with placebo effect is way better than not feeling better at all. And that works in that short duration. But if you're training for growth, then you have to understand that jumping to ice pap or any sort of cold substances will actually slow down the work that you just put in. So instead of you know getting the full 100% gains of the hard workout you put yourself through, 
you might lose 40% of it just because you jumped yourself in an ice bath and stayed in there for three, four minutes. It's, it's great yeah. that we talk about this because that's exactly what I used to do. And these days, you know, from the little bit of science that I've been researching on, and I think prolonging yourself yeah. to smaller stress. Mind you, this is a stress element, right? Absolutely, yeah. Over a longer period of time has better impact. And I just take a cold shot every, stop yeah. my day, do a little bit of meditation, ground myself, get into that shower, spring it up. It's a cognitive boost. It Most importantly, yeah. it just parks you up. It's just unbelievable. And then, yeah, then the benefits, the untold benefits that like, you know, like hidden as a benefit that not, not manifest immediately, but for sure, the feel good factor is instantaneous. Yes, that, yeah, definitely for sure. And that's the interesting part with Ice Path. It's that it's not just for sports performance, it's also for mental clarity, for meditation, for focus. So it depends what area you're diving into right. and the purpose you're yeah. using it for. It works. Just be very clear about what you're using it for and what you're doing it to. And not just doing it because you see social media. You have to jump in a really, really, really cold Absolutely. tub to make effect. Yeah. The effect is if it's cold enough for you, it's cold enough for already. That's it. Very correct. And then you have contrast therapy with jumping hot and cold. So something that you might want to do if you have short on time and you do want to have that, one minute cold, one minute hot, back and forth, that actually helps flush it and that won't uh, stunt your growth in the performance you actually try to push. Them. So that's the other part of recovery. But end of the day, if something bothers you, don't keep on pushing through, especially right. runners out there talking to you guys. It's a commonality that you get one small injury. Oh, yeah, I can sleep it off. Or you think you're going to lose fitness by taking a break. Take the break. Because the worst thing you do is continue this on. Yeah, you're going to get running. You, you're going to get this run done. But down the line, are you going to sideline yourself more? It's, and it either, comes with it's that, either you pay now or you pay later. You're going to have to pay regardless. It comes with an old mindset of the videos yeah. that flash around in YouTube like, the days you're not feeling it, you got to do it. Yeah, that's sometimes it, a mismatch. Yes, and, and I think today's science has proven that your body speaks to you and appreciate that, and then it's okay to take a break yep. because you come back much stronger. And I think one of the beautiful things that you said is the sleepest hack that is out there is sleep. Yep. And I, just, I tell everybody, like they tell me, like, what's the key to performance? I just sleep. I'll push an appointment for much later because i got to get that sleep. Because yep. maybe people like us need to just work or regulars have, to, I mean, whatever job you're doing, you could do what you normally do in 12 hours with, you know, like eight coffees with a good night of sleep and with a smile on your face. And that, I think, is a much better lived life long term. Yeah, and then we're currently living in a world where we're trying to compromise sleep to try to add and add as much as we can and get as much done because nothing's ever enough. And sometimes we need to slow down and realize that. But what you're saying, what we're going back to is just be honest. You have to be honest with yourself. There's right. a difference between taking a rest day and slacking off. Absolutely. Only you know the answer for that. And you're going to have to be honest. With yourself. If you need a break, take that one day break. But the next day, be honest with yourself. Are you feeling all right? And go from there. So we talked about supplements. We talked about diet. We talked about what it's like to be in Johnny's shoes as a performance athlete. You do train a lot of athletes in Asia and also abroad. Yes. What is it that you've seen, especially with the latest gen that's training under you? What do you think are some of the roadblocks to realize their fullest athletic potentials? I think what's preventing them to achieve what they want to achieve is there's a lot of noise out there. And not to say I have the answer. A lot of people is, is helpful along with that. But people need to be very clear about what's the purpose of why they're doing what they're doing. So when clients come up to me at first, they said, they want to train to perform, but in reality, they really wanted to train to look a certain way. So when I go through an initial inquiry with them, it's like, look, what is your actual goal? Break it down to me. Tell me what you want to achieve. And if it comes down to you want to look a certain way, then we need to reanalyze, like, why? What's bringing you to want that? 
passion is that a passion or is that something because you, you want to look a certain way to achieve a certain thing or is that what social media sh- shares with you and then once we break that down we can redefine as like look can we help you with this goal by putting in a different progressions mindset can we put this in the pr- a progression of can we help you achieve one push-up today or run a little bit longer or go a little bit harder this way and then can we redefine it and within like couple of weeks they'll realize they enjoyed that process better than they did before but then there's the other part the things that are holding them back is a lot of people are doing too much they're doing way too much more than they need to and they're going too hard right so those are things that's actually stunting their growth they are not giving themselves enough time they think that if every session is not hard then it's not a good session and that's a very common mistake with everybody. That's how you run yourself to the ground. That's how you get injured. That's how you bring yourself out. For a lot of us that are training full time, training a lot of our time, we rest a lot. A lot of our days to other people might not be rest because we've gotten so used to that ability to keep our heart rate low and still be able to train. But that is an easy day for me. And what's easy for me is not what's easy for some people. But mm-hmm. it's still easy end of the day. So I think that's the growth that people have to understand is not every day has to be hard. Don't add too much. Fine tune your, your training. Enjoy the process that comes along with it. And if someone wants to like uh, sign you up for training, how could they do that? Yeah, if you want to sign up for training, just you know hit me up on uh, Instagram or email uh, at uh, quacktieu, Q-U-A-C-K-T-I-E-U. And just shoot me a message if you're interested in training and definitely will sit you down and discuss some of the training goals you have. Mind you, of course, I would love that you have a general understanding of fitness for yourself already because a lot of times it is online coaching and it's tough to teach you intros to squat and foundation without you having that. And that tends to be an area that I don't want people getting injured. So most of the time that people that come up to me, they already have a foundation and I'm taking them to the next level versus starting them from the ground up. What's that one advice that you would love to give to the people who just want to get started maybe? Because many of times we find ourselves like, I want to do the high rocks. This is me too, to yeah. be honest, all right? I've been uh, at that event for two years and everybody tells me like, hey, you're in good shape. Why are you not uh, participating? So I know at the back of my hand, maybe this is like, I always think that if people ask me, maybe it's a sign that maybe I should do it. But I don't know. From a coach perspective, what is it that you would like to give people like myself who's waiting for that right time, who has maybe a few excuses? So, you know, I live a busy lifestyle. I don't even know which city I'll be in tomorrow. So what is that you would say? I think the first part is focusing on the, on actually what you're doing with each and every exercise. So actually think about what your body's doing versus just rushing through it. Right. Because that's the most common mistake. People do an exercise because they see how it's done, but not doing it properly. So I would say think about muscle-mind connection. Think about what a squat actually does. Think about what push-up does, what muscles you're actually activating. And take it slow. Go at your own pace because you're not doing anybody else's pace. It's just on you and don't worry about anybody else. Focus on the foundational movements and you grow from there. And the second part is you're going towards people that are interested in doing competition or say high rocks or even going to the first 5K race or just stepping out of the comfort zone. I think this applies with everything with life and I'm guilty of sometimes not taking my own advice too. It's it's take the first step, right? Right. If you're always going to be like, oh, I'm not ready for this, but no, we're never ready. None of us are ready for this. Right. None of us is ready for whatever's going to happen. But if you don't do it, you're never going to know and you're never going to be able to try to get better. So say, for example, for high rocks, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't feel like I can lift the weight. Or I don't feel like I can complete it. Everybody can complete it. You just got to get on the course. And once you do it, you'll be surprised that you did it. And then from there on out, you'll have steps and areas that you feel like you will be able to grow and build upon. So I think is just... Always give it a shot and give it a right. try first because there's no perfect timing for it and there's no uh, perfect time for you to just get started. Just throw yourself. We're all busy. It's all end of the day. Is if you want to make it happen, you'll make it happen. It's priorities that come in line. 
Very correct. Right? And we're all, I'm, I'm sure all of us are guilty of this. Whoever's listening, you, you, me, everybody around. I truly confess. We yeah. are guilty of that. I'm guilty of that in, in certain parts of my life where sometimes I know the answer and I just need to get started. But it's never that easy. And it's that hurdle and that invisible wall that's stepping in front of you. We just need to take the courage to walk in front of it one time. I guess that's the whole, that's been your whole life. Taking that step in yeah. s- the smallest of fashionable ways. Yeah. And you just kept an open mindset, put that smile on, didn't penalize yourself like many of us would for taking that, you know, moving in the wrong direction, although we're moving forward, but even coming back, reflecting, and then stra- re-strategizing a new way and ensuring that in this whole journey, you have a smile on your face, you give time to recover, and yeah, and you feel like you, every day is a blessing. Uh, it definitely sounds easier than it is, and we all know that, and especially yeah. it's harder nowadays in the world that we live in now. But, you know, there's a, you're all going to have that shadow behind us, like saying things that are quite negative. And I definitely have my fair share of those. But it's just reflecting back that I can see the positives. But each and every day we have our own demons that we need yeah. to battle against. And there's things that we have to overcome. And I think, like you said, just exactly how it goes. Just take that step and just try to stay as positive as you can no matter what. And just think about the brighter side. And like you rightly said a long time um, somewhere back in the conversation, there's so much noise out there. Right. And that is exactly what we want to do with this podcast, to bring people like yourself so that we can silence some of the noise and the audience actually get a feel of what they should be focusing on. And sometimes it's the most simplest thing, which doesn't even incur an expense. For example, like you said, the sleep. And with the supplementation protocol that you gave, for me, I think that's affordable. Again, it's about prioritizing and ensuring that also, like even in your hard training times, recovery is a training protocol. It is not a separate part of it. And these are all amazing hacks, if I can say, that you know someone can implement in their daily lives to optimize performance. Now, Johnny, time for some quick-fire questions. All right. <laughs> okay, we're going to put you on the spot here. Okay. I know you don't do cheat meals, but what is that indulgence that you love and cannot say no to? I love dessert. Any sort of dessert. Any specific I dessert. Mean, oh, man. It used to be donuts when I was living in the U.S., but since being in Asia, I love a good pineapple bun. Just like, it just Asian bakery stuff. Like, I just love going into that and just getting it. Especially, I live in Bali now, so I don't actually have access to that. I mean, I get cookies and brownies and everything like that, but a proper, like, Chinese bakery. Love it. As yeah. simple as it can get. Yeah, yeah. Right? Sleep early or late? I don't sleep as early as I hope to. I'm lucky enough to be able to nap, but yes, I currently do sleep quite late. <laughs> okay. I told you I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. High rocks or Spartan? Currently now, high rocks. Okay. You're in the 30s or 40s? I'm in my late 30s, yeah. Okay. Performance enhancers, yes or no? No. Well, if it's a sep- if it's performance enhancers, is a very tricky one. I'm going to just dive in really quickly. Okay. If it's the ones that are meant like, you know, testosterone boosting, steroids or stuff, no, definitely not. But then certain uh, performance enhancement could be like caffeine. Caffeine technically is a, a performance enhancement, right? Right. So things that are quite uh, readily accessible to everybody, those things are definitely a yes. So legal and natural, yes. Good. Espresso martini or kombucha? Kombucha. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I know that because you did go for one before the show. Thank you so much, Johnny. It was a pleasure. And I think I am truly amazed. And I will, this conversation will go on forever. But thank you so much for showing up and making this a memorable first episode for the Superhuman podcast. Really appreciate it. And definitely looking forward to what you guys have to go with this. And looking forward to be back. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.